Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Welcome, Renewal fam, to Renewal Church of Chicago's virtual worship gathering. I'm so glad that you've joined us this morning. My name is Pastor Steve, and I have the privilege of opening the scriptures with you all this morning. Uh, We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, And before we get there, I want to go ahead and prepare our hearts for the offering. We're reminded that the work that God is doing in and through the world uh, is accomplished through his people. And ultimately, it's through our investing in what God is doing in the local church, God's plan A for the redemption of the world, uh, that we're able to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want to encourage you today, if you give regularly, uh, allow this moment to kind of wash over you as we remind ourselves that uh, we have given God our first And uh, for those of us who, you know, giving is new to us. Maybe you have never given to a church. Maybe you've never given to Renewal Church of Chicago. I I want to challenge you to maybe make today your very first day. And maybe some of us, we give sporadically. Maybe you you need to get on a regular routine of of giving. So we remind ourselves that uh, God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And in response to his generosity, we invest back into the kingdom of God uh, in that way financially. And so with all of that said, as we've reminded our hearts together that God is uh, the one whom we worship and not our money, uh, let us pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, these gifts that we're about to receive. And uh, even as uh, we Uh, know that or see the different ways in which we can give uh, to what you're doing in and through this community of faith, God. I I pray that you would use our gifts to stir our affections for Christ. Uh, Would you, God, get glory through our giving, and and would we experience you in uh, an incredible way in uh, in the expression of our giving to you uh, and to what you're doing in the world? It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 this morning. And so uh, if you've opened your Bible to that particular passage of Scripture, uh, and if you're unfamiliar with the Scriptures, go ahead and Google this passage. I want to read it into your hearing. It reads this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The very words of Scripture. Amen. Carl Brashear was the first African-American man enlisted into the United States Navy Diving School. Uh, And yet, It was a long time before that where he grew up as a sharecropper there in Kentucky. The story of his life is captured for us in the movie Men of Honor. And as Carl Bashir is being raised there as a sharecropper there in Kentucky, he would watch his father put his hands to a plow day after day and season after season. 
uh, as his father would go out and put his hands to this plow, you could literally see his father's imprints in the handlebars of the plow. And the reason you could see his father's imprints in the handlebars of the plow is because they were imprinted there with his father's very own blood. Uh, And so his father's work ethic would then be passed on to young Carl, and Carl decided when he became uh, of age that he wanted to join the United States Navy. And so uh, here he is, young, excited, ecstatic, Carl Brashear, excited to jump on the bus and head to basic training. Uh, and his father pulls him to the side, looks him straight in the face, and sends him off with these words. When it gets hard, and it will, don't quit on me, ever. You see, those must have been the same words he heard ringing over and over again in the back of his mind when he joined the Navy diving school and they laughed at him and called him out of his name and spat in his face. They they must have been those very same words that he heard ringing over and over again in the back of his mind when he couldn't pass the written examinations because he only had a seventh grade education. When it gets hard, and it will, don't quit on me. Ever. They, they must have been those very same words that he heard ringing over and over again in the back of his mind when uh, he, was, uh, he was underwater saving the life of another Navy diver. And he gave the award for uh, uh, saving this man's life to the person who abandoned them underwater. They, they must have been those same words that he heard ringing over and over again in the back of his mind when they tried to sabotage his graduation from the Navy diving school while underwater completing his final task of, of putting tools together to make a flange. They cut open the bag of all of his tools and the tools spread all across the bottom of the sea and he would have to pick them up one by one. Two hours would pass. Four hours would pass. Six hours would pass. Eventually, Carl Bashir would rise up out of that water, having picked up every piece of that flange by hand, one by one, putting it together and graduating from Navy diving school. They must have been those words. When it gets hard, and there is no doubt it will get hard, don't quit on me, ever. Carl Brashear went on to become a master, divey in the Uni- master diver in the United States Navy. I'm told it's the highest enlisted rank of a Navy man. So, so what does the story of Carl Brashear tell us about perseverance, especially when it comes to our faith in Jesus? Well, the story of Carl Brashear's life tells us that perseverance is difficult. When it comes to following Jesus. But it's always worth it. Perseverance is difficult. But it's always worth it. As we get ready to come to our passage this morning in Hebrews chapter 12. The author of the book of Hebrews is writing to a group of Jewish followers of Jesus. Who are going through intense persecution. They are being beaten. They are being thrown in jail. They are losing their uh, jobs and they're afraid of dying for their faith in Jesus. And so they're contemplating the idea of going back to their old practice of Judaism. And so the author of the book of Hebrews is writing to them to tell them that Jesus is better and to keep going, that Jesus is better and to keep going. And while we may not experience this kind of persecution in our Western modern world, the reality is we're in the middle of a global pandemic. 
The, the reality of our situatedness in, uh, this, on this side of, of history is that uh, there is a global pandemic where people are afraid to leave their homes, where people are dying, and we don't exactly uh, have a, a grip around how and why. And, and so we find ourselves bombarded by anxiety, bombarded by fear. The reality is, regardless of uh, of us not experiencing that type of persecution, we experience being ostracized by family members because we've decided to follow Jesus. The reality is that in a global pandemic, we look at the uh, dinner table a year after and and realize that at Christmas or at New Year's or at Thanksgiving, there's somebody who is no longer sitting at our table. The reality is we may not experience that kind of persecution, but there are some pretty incredibly wild and crazy things that are going on in the world. A mob of people have just, uh, have just terrorized the Capitol building in our nation's capital. And you and I may be asking ourselves, man, how do we keep going? How, how, how do we push forward? I, I, I want to talk a little bit about that today. As, as, we, uh, as we sort of get our arms around and our minds around what it means to flourish in our faith this year, 2021. I, I want to preach from the subject, don't quit. Don't quit. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and kindness towards us. We thank you for the opportunity even to gather together to worship you, to sing to you. Uh, And now we pray as we get ready to open up your word that you would open up our eyes to see magnificent things that are in it. Holy Spirit, it is to that end that I am available to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. It's interesting to see as you look at the very beginning of Hebrews chapter 12 that the author of the book of Hebrews is talking about a marathon. And he likens uh, our faith in Jesus to that of a marathon. So how do we continue in this journey of our faith, in this marathon of our faith? How does our faith flourish this year in 2021? Look with me at verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of uh, witnesses, essentially the first uh, movement of our passage and of uh, our time together in our message is that we ought to look to those who have gone before us. We ought to look to those who have gone before us. Our text begins by telling us that we have this huge group of deceased believers surrounding us, or as the text puts it, a great cloud of witnesses encompassed around us. And before Hebrews chapter 12 uh, is what scholars call the great hall of faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. And in this chapter, in chapter 11, we get exposed to people who are following God in the Old Testament portions of the scriptures, Old Testament believers who trusted God, even though they were never able to experience the fullness of God's grace in Christ. They they lived before Jesus did, and, and this chapter portrays the faith of people like Noah. This chapter uh, portrays the faith of people like Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. 
12 and, and Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and, and Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. Now, now don't go to Sunday school, on, uh, uh, Sunday school mode on me just yet, but let me paint a portrait of what some of these people had to go through. Joseph, he had a dream in Genesis 37 and he had a dream from God that his brothers were bowing down to him and, uh, and so he would share that particular dream with his brothers and his brothers got so embittered and jealous of him that they literally threw him uh, into a pit and sold him into slavery after uh, their brother was able to convince them, no, we shouldn't just, uh, just kill him, we should just sell him into slavery. So his brothers uh, commit a coup against Against him, he's thrown in prison, taken to Egypt, where he spends 11 years in a guy by the name of Potiphar's house as his slave. After 11 years of faithful service at Potiphar's house as a slave, even though he shouldn't have been there, Potiphar's wife tries to sleep with Joseph. Joseph denies her, and then she lies on him, which then sends Joseph to prison, where he's in prison for two more years. There is uh, uh, the, uh, the cupbearer and the king's baker are there in prison with him, and, uh, and a- as they're there, they have dreams, and Joseph says to them, I can interpret dreams, and so they share their dreams with Joseph, and Joseph interprets their dreams, and, uh, and then he says to them, remember me, tell, tell the king uh, about what I've done, and, and eventually they get out of prison, and they forget So Joseph spends two more years in prison, and and it's after two years in prison that they finally remember, oh yeah, there's a guy in prison who can interpret dreams, Pharaoh. You've had a dream. Let us go get this guy, Joseph. So they go get Joseph and bring him to the Pharaoh, and Joseph interprets the Pharaoh's dream and ensures that the livelihood of all the people in Egypt and the surrounding areas are okay in light of a famine that's getting ready to hit. Now, 11 years as a slave, two years in prison, 24 years later, after he has the initial dream where he uh, sees his brothers bowing down to them, the famine strikes the land. Now his brothers come to Egypt because they've heard that there's a man there who has kept the people of Egypt's food together. And so they go to beg for food. 24 years pass. And there they are bowing to the man who has become the second in command in all of Egypt, their brother Joseph, the very fulfillment of the promise of the dream that he had when he was a 17-year-old boy. Moses wandered in the wilderness for 40 years trying to get the people of Israel into the the promised land. It was Noah who built uh, the ark, hearing the message of God and and calling for the people to repent and follow God. And nobody listened, built an ark for 120 years. You see, we get to see the storyline of these people's lives resolved in paragraphs. And yet they actually lived it, right? We're on the other end of a year of a global pandemic where we've been stuck in the house wondering where is God? And Joseph spent 11 years as a slave wondering where is God? 
And yet the good news of the storyline of the ark of scripture for those of us who are in Christ is that God is faithful no matter how much time passes. Can you imagine Joseph waking up day after day as somebody else's property? Year two passes. God, I don't understand why I'm here. Year four passes, year seven passes. God, I, I, I don't understand what, what is going on. I had a dream. I shared that dream, and for some reason, bad things are happening to good people. That, that's the question that always comes forward is why do bad things happen to good people? Imagine Joseph. And yet here's the storyline of the arc of all of Scripture. All of these Old Testament believers are beckoning out from the whole of Old Testament literature, just like Carl Bashir's father. I know you're in a global pandemic. I know you're stuck in the house. I know you've lost your job. I know people are terrorizing the Capitol building, but it will get hard. But don't quit on us. Ever. You see, the reality is of your situation and mine is that if our faith is going to flourish, if we're going to continue to run the marathon that is our faith, you and I have got to look to those who have gone before us. Pastor Steve, what what does that look like? What does that mean? It means that your faith in Jesus in 2021 has got to be the forefront of your priority of your life. What is one of the main ways that you hear the voice of God? Or what is the main way that you hear the voice of God? Through the words of this book. All the stories that are in the older portions of the scriptures, the Bible says, are meant to encourage our faith. As we walk through a year, possibly two years of a global pandemic. These people's lives who we get to see their troubles resolved in paragraphs, but they actually lived it. They are meant to be an encouragement to our lives. So for you today, maybe one of the things that you've said to yourself, man, over and over again, every year passes and you say, man, I really want to read through the Bible. I really want to read through the entirety of of the scriptures. There's there's stories of things and different things that have happened that I've I've never read about. There's whole books of the Bible that I've uh, I've never read. Maybe maybe one of the ways that you look to those who have gone before you this year is by committing to a Bible reading plan. There are several of them that are out there that are that are wonderful. Uh, The Robert Murray McShane. Bible reading plan is one of the ones that I would highly recommend to you and, uh, and say, man, let that chart the course where every morning when you wake up or every time that you get a free break at, at school or, uh, or at work, that, that you're pointing yourself back to those places, to God's 
word. That is where we get the strength to continue on, to look to those who have gone before us. And as we watch their story, we hear the voice of God saying to you and me, I got you. Stay faithful. I got you. Others of us, you're listening to me and you're saying, Steve, that's that's cool in the gang. But you see, I I get kind of lost in the Bible. I, I don't really understand how the whole of Scripture uh, goes together. I, I don't understand how Genesis relates to Revelation. And there's some crazy stuff in Revelation and some crazy stuff in Daniel. And I, man, I get through the numbers and all of a sudden I stop and I, I don't really understand how all of Scripture fits together. I want to recommend a resource to you that I think is absolutely fantastic for everyday people who have everyday jobs to understand how God put the scriptures together and the storyline that lifts itself off the pages of scripture. The, the, the storyline of Jesus's life in Numbers, in Leviticus, in Revelation, all of those different things and how it comes together. It's a visual theology guide to the Bible, and I, I would recommend you pick that up on Amazon or any, uh, any um, uh, Christian bookstore uh, that I, 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 I would just, I can't say enough about that resource. And then as a secondary application to us, for those of us who are going to look to those who have gone before us, one of the things that we need to take into consideration is that we need people in our lives who have gone before us. We need people who have walked with Jesus and they're a decade ahead of us. For some of us, we've been living with 25-year-old wisdom uh, for the entirety of our existence. All we have are peer relationships with peer people. When we're 30, we got 30-year-old relationships. When we're 40, we got 40-year-old relationships. Uh, And yet, the reality of your life and mine is that we need some people in our lives who have navigated life who are ahead of us. And so, for, for some of us, that may mean, like, really, like, I'm, I'm committed to my small group. When we kick back January 25th, I'm, I'm in. And, and it's somebody in that small group. I know I can't get together with everybody and they mom, but maybe there's some person in that small group who's ahead of me that, that I can say, hey, can you pour into my life? That I can say, hey, can we get Zoom coffee? That I can say, hey, if you feel comfortable enough and we both have masks on, can we talk about the Lord together? Can you show me what you've experienced in your life? If our faith is going to flourish in 2021, we've got to look to those who have gone before us. And not only that, but we've got to let go of what's hindering us. Will you look uh, at the scripture at the latter half of verse 1 with me? It says this. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the text says to lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles us. So here's the picture. The author tells us that in order to run with endurance, there are certain things we need to take off, right? Uh, He uses the picture of a marathon runner, and it'd be uh, like a a marathon runner trying to run uh, in some Timberlands and a giant parka, right? 
Like there's some things in life that if you're going to run a marathon, you cannot take with you, right? And, and so essentially, he, he makes this stark contrast between uh, sins and weights. And there, there, that's a, an important distinction there. Sins are sort of the black and white things of our faith. They're things like lying, uh, stealing, and cheating, things that are sort of obvious to us when it comes to our ethics. And, and yet, the idea of weights can be an incredibly gray uh, kind of thing for us. And, uh, and, and the reality is, you know in your heart what is a weight for you. And for others of us, it might not be a weight for us. And yet, There are certain things particular to our personality that we know that keep us from flying high in our faith for Jesus. They may not be things that we can say, man, ultimately this uh, this is a sin. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we know they're holding us back from flying high in our faith for Jesus. You see, we're all dealing. We're all dealing with weights. We're dealing with weights like friendships with people who, uh, who we know in the back of our minds are keeping us from flying high in our faith for Jesus. We're dealing with weights uh, like old relationships we don't leave alone. Somebody today, you're checking your ex-girlfriend's Facebook every single day, ex-boyfriend's Instagram every single day, your high school sweethearts. Facebook every single day. It didn't work. And if you're going to flourish in your faith in 2021, you've got to let it go. Lay it aside. For some of us, we dated somebody... And we still we still trying to hold on to something. And and the only reason, if we're honest with ourselves, the only reason why we continue uh, to to consider the possibility of going on with somebody is because we're lonely. We're stuck in the house and we're lonely. And regardless. Regardless of what you've got going on in your life. And how you feel, you know that God has told you, let it go. Lay it aside. Somebody, you enjoy the ambiance before the pandemic hit. You enjoyed the ambiance of a glass of wine at dinner and now in the middle of the pandemic. It's not just one glass. It's not just two. It's a whole bottle every other night. And God is saying to you and me, lay it aside. Let it go. And if I could go even a little bit further, somebody, you're struggling. You're a private person. And if you're honest with yourself, the reality of your situation is that you need help. And the thing that you need to let, it, let go of, the thing that you need to lay aside, is your pride. Let me say, let me say that again. 
Somebody, you're listening to me right now. And you're a private person. And you're going through something. Whether that be your mental and emotional health. Whether that be your physical health. Uh, whether that, that be uh, your, your financial stability. You're going through things alone and isolated from other people who can help you because of your pride. And God is saying, let the people of God be the people of God. Let people know that you need help. Let, maybe you, you're caring for somebody else in, in your home, or you have a special needs child, or, or you have more going on than, than uh, anybody else knows about. Something else, right? Maybe for some of us, letting go of our pride means, hey, I need to call a counselor. Letting go of our pride says, I need to call a therapist. Letting go of, of, of our pride means I need to go to my small group and say, hey, y'all, I'm hurting. Or a particular person in, uh, in that small group, I'm hurting. I need help. Maybe for somebody right now, you're a member of Renewal Church of Chicago, and the reality is you've been so private that you wouldn't let anybody know that you're struggling to pay the rent. And part of letting go of your pride today is to say, hey, I need benevolence. I need to apply for that. Somebody else, the reality is that you've kept so many things close to your vest. Maybe it is a sin issue that you're going through, that you're dealing with, that you're ashamed of. And I want you to hear these words. Vulnerability breaks the power of shame. Vulnerability breaks the power of shame. There's a reason why in the book of James that James says, confess your sins to one another and you shall be healed. You see, it's in your shame that you think to yourself, if people really knew this about me, they wouldn't love me anymore. But hear the good news message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is when we place our faith in Jesus that we receive Jesus' right standing. We receive his approval. We receive his belonging. We receive his righteousness. So that means that whenever I fail at what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that means that I get to remind myself through my confession and repentance that, hey, I'm not standing in my righteousness. I'm not standing in my belonging. I'm not standing in my own approval. As a matter of fact, to not confess your sins to one another or to say, hey, this is where I'm struggling. This is where I'm messing up is to say, you know what, Jesus, thanks for your clothing of righteousness to begin after after the beginning of this walk with Jesus. I'm going to take those clothes off and I'm going to earn this thing myself. That is the definition of religion. That is not Christianity. And so my message to you is that there's some stuff in your life that you're holding on to. There's some shame from your past that you're holding on to, whether that may be present or that may be past. And the reality is there, and I've said this, I've said this before. You've heard me say this before, but there are things in our lives that we're holding on to that God has already moved on from. 
He ain't stunting that in your past. He knows you're a failure. Yes, and yet the beauty of the gospel is, is that he still loves you all the same. And so he says to you and he says to me, Come be clothed in my righteousness, confess your sins to one another, let that stuff go and move on. If you are going to flourish in your faith in 2021, if you are going to continue in the marathon, some of us need to let go of some stuff and lay it aside. I got some stuff in my past. You got some stuff in your past. And hear the gospel of grace. We all got stuff in our past. We all going through some things. And yet the only thing that's going to help you run the marathon is to receive grace and not hide in fear. True story, about 15 years ago, there was an airplane that went up in Greenville, South Carolina, and on its way to North Carolina, and uh, it was a Beechcraft 1700D. It was a very small plane, 21 passengers on board, and 47 seconds into the flight, the airplane crashes and bursts into flames. And people would begin to wonder, what, what in the world happened to this airplane? Why, why did this airplane b- crash and burst into flames? And so they did an investigation, and they looked to see whether or not there was something wrong with the pilot's uh, in, in, uh, on this flight, and they said, man, there's nothing seemed to be wrong with the pilots. They looked at the electrical system of the plane. Nothing seemed to be wrong with the electrical system uh, of the plane. Uh, they, they checked some of the mechanics with the plane. Nothing seemed to be wrong with the mechanics of the plane, and they had no real reason or no real understanding of why this plane would crash and burst into flames until they checked the weight of the plane. And when they checked the weight of the plane, they realized that the plane was 600 pounds over its maximum allowable takeoff weight. And that was the reason it crashed. That was the reason it burst into flames. Friend, I don't know what your thing is. I don't know what you're going through. All I know is that there's some stuff in life that tends to weigh us down. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God invites us to lay it aside and to receive his grace. And so I want to ask you today, what in your life is too heavy? What in your life, if you're honest with yourself, if you're really honest with yourself, you, 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 you... You know, this is not one of those black and white things of your faith, but if you're honest with yourself, you know it's holding you back from flying high in your faith of Jesus. You know that it's holding you back from running with perseverance in the marathon that is your faith. God says, with my strength, with my grace, lay it aside. Let it go. So in order to persevere in our faith in 2021, we've got to look to those who have gone before us. We've, we've got to let go of what's hindering us. But uh, third and finally, we have got to look to uh, 
uh, or fix our eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look at uh, latter half, the latter half portion of verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, on a macro level, on a big picture level, I think that this points to the fact that Jesus accomplished, uh, it, this points to all that Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection, right? Uh, it says he's the author or the perfecter of, of our faith, and that means that Jesus is the consummator. He uh, is the one who makes it all possible. He's the one who blazed the trail, uh, and yet it doesn't just make Jesus the example to follow. Rather, it points to the fact that Jesus is the one who already ran the race. So we experience difficulty and trial and test and craziness and pandemics and all of what we've got going on in the world. We have fear and anxiety brought on by the pandemic and fear and anxiety brought on by what happened at the Capitol building. I'm reminded of what Jesus said to his followers in John chapter 16 and verse 33. He says this, I have told you these things so that in me, through faith in me being united to me, you may have peace. In the midst of all of what's crazy, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So out of all the difficulties and tests and trials and frustrations and sorrows and sufferings, he says, take heart, through me you can have peace, for I have overcome the world. So when we feel overwhelmed by the difficulties of life, when, when, when you don't think you have what it takes to really look to those who have gone before you, when, uh, when you find yourself in a situation where you're, you're not sure if you can let go of what's hindering you, when you don't feel like you can uh, let go of the weights of life, the reality is you and I are right. You can't. You, you can't run the race that is our faith with endurance. It is too hard to live that out on your own when times get hard. But Jesus already ran the race. That's the good news of our passage. And now through what he's accomplished as our trailblazer and being united by him or to him, he enables us to run the race with endurance. And because of that, I'm constantly reminding myself of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm constantly reminding myself that I can't do it on my own, but because of what Jesus has accomplished, he's given me the power to keep running even when it feels overwhelming, fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on the one who has clothed us in his righteousness, fixing, fixing our eyes on, on the one who was beaten and betrayed, fixing our eyes on the one that, that the text says uh, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He took on shame so that you don't have to experience shame, so that you can live in the light and confess your sin so that you may be healed. It is him that took our shame for our sin and our weights. He, he would endure a Roman flaw. He, uh, he would be taken and, and, and they would tie him to a post and a, a Roman soldier would stand on each side of him and they would take these huge whips of cat -of nine tails. They were uh, fastened there with uh, the teeth and bones and, and shark's teeth and pieces of glass and they would begin 
to whip the back of Jesus. And after 10 to 12 lashes, his ribs will become exposed and 25 to 35 strikes. The body must have been so dazed from the whipping that his skin would begin to fall off of his back like ribbons of flesh. He endured the cross. If he began to pass out just 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 so that in, in, in any circumstance that he might pass out, they would set another soldier with a bucket of water to throw into his face so he would experience every portion of the pain he endured the cross. And, and then they would give him a hundred pound beam and place it on his shoulders and, uh, and, and they would force him to march up a hill called Calvary. And there on that hill called Calvary, they would find the soft portions in his wrists and in his feet and they would nail him to that cross and hoist him up. And you can imagine as he's sitting there on the cross having to pull himself up by the nails to breathe. <gasps> you could imagine his words to you and me as he takes on all of our shame, as he identifies with all of our struggle. As he suffers with us and for us. I imagine Jesus would say to, me, to you and to me. When it gets hard. And it will. There is no doubt in my mind. It will get hard. But don't quit on me. Ever. Look to those who have gone before you. Let go of what's hindering you and look to Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there is so much uncertainty in the world, so much fear, so much anxiety. Things we couldn't imagine are happening. And yet we confess that you are the priority of our lives. We confess that so often you haven't been. And yet we know that it's through your sovereign care and through our intimacy with you, cultivated through hearing from your word and the stories of the lives of people who have been faithful. God, we confess that we, we in this thing, we've been in this thing for a year and we, we like, man, what is God up to? And yet the reality is so many other people walked with you, held on to your hand in much more difficult situations. And so, Father, I pray that this year, 2021, regardless of what is going on around us, that we would prioritize our faith in Jesus. Would you help us run with endurance? It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.